You're about to hear a message that was preached at Calvary Fellowship in Miramar, Florida. At Calvary, we exist to help people take their next step with God. And we pray that this message helps you do just that. How's everybody doing? Hey, we are so glad that you're here. So let me tell you, so I guess it was about six years ago, my son had to get a tooth pulled. Uh, So he was about seven at the time, and he loved telling the story because the dentist told him that he was braver than most of the teenagers that drove themselves to the similar procedure. And uh, so they had finished pulling the tooth, and he asked the dentist if he could have, if he could keep it. And so she put it in a bag and gave it to him and said, Xander, why do you want it? And he said, you know, it doesn't matter how the tooth comes out. If it's out, I get money. And uh, he says, because the tooth fairy that comes to my house is this big, hairy man. And uh, so that, later that day, we left for Orlando for a couple of days. And so he takes the pulled tooth, he puts it in his bag, and then, because he wants to put it under his pillow when he gets to the hotel. And so while we're driving, my, my oldest daughter, Mia, says to him, Xander, why did you bring the tooth? And he says, because I want to put it under my pillow so, my, so that the hairy tooth fairy can, can give me money. And... Uh, and my, Mia says, um, Xander, the tooth fairy isn't real. And he says, I know that, but dad doesn't know that. <laughs> and, and she says, of course dad knows the tooth fairy isn't real. She says, no, Mia, I know dad knows, but dad doesn't know that we know. And if he finds out that we know, we're out of business. And uh, th- there is something wrong, by the way, in the parent-child relationship when your kids refer to you as the big hairy man. And so first of all, I'm bald. Uh, which anyway, and then there's another problem when your kids see losing teeth as a business venture that's built on deception. And so there's problems all around. But for my kids, this was this was serious business and there this was, you know, losing teeth was a means of income for them. And uh, and it's serious business for us because here's what I know about you, which same thing is true for me, and that is that you probably weren't given any type of financial education in school. And uh, I wasn't either. We were taught really helpful things like algebra and trigonometry, things that you use every day now. And, uh, and, and the problem with that is that your, your parents probably didn't teach anything about money because they weren't really taught anything about uh, money as well from their parents. And so this, this lack of financial education has gotten us to a place where we're making some very unwise uh, financial decisions. Now, what we're going to spend some time talking about today is this idea that Jesus begins in this passage on the Sermon on the Mount when he says, uh, he tells his disciples, he says, hey, when you give, not if you give or if you ever get around to giving, it's this understanding that giving is something very basic, that it is uh, just basic Christianity to be generous. Now, let me just tell you, as I said that, some of you just got very nervous. And so let's just, if we can, let's just lower the temperature a little bit. And, uh, and I know what happens, and I get it. I know what happens in church is that church has gotten a very bad reputation when it comes to the subject of giving. And some of that is very rightly earned because so many times churches have been very heavy-handed about it and churches have made promises that the Bible does not give us if this is what will happen if you give and all that. And, and so some of the bad reputation is, is, is rightly earned. But um, so let me just tell you a couple of things, all right? This is going to help you so much, all right? Number one, This is a message for Christians. So if you're not a Christian, relax. This isn't even for you. Um, This is really a message for Christians who attend church here. So if you're not a Christian and you don't attend or you don't attend church here, this isn't for you. So you just relax and you're going to have the best time. 
because you're just going to watch all the Christians around you squirm for 30 minutes. So this is going to be like, oh, I love the show today. You know, so anyway, so just everybody, you know, you can, you can feel, you know, relaxed about that. But I thought as we got going on this issue, we could dispel some myths before we talk about what the Bible actually teaches. So here's the first one if you're a note taker, and that is that giving, when we talk about the purpose of giving, giving is not a get-rich-quick scheme. And, uh, and anybody who tells you that is lying to you. Because there is no promise in the Bible where God says that he's going to make every person who gives rich. Now, God blesses people that give, but that's not the same thing. God promises to meet your needs, but that's not the same thing. You see, giving is simply a statement of our faith. It's a tangible way that we show that God is first in our lives. In fact, in the book of Deuteronomy, it says it this way. It says, the purpose of tithing is to teach you to always put God first in your life. And tithing, if you're not aware, is this ancient practice of giving the first 10% of your income back to God for purposes of the kingdom of God. Now, uh, more on that later, but once again, no promise that you're going to be filthy rich if you decide to give. And you're like, man, with the way the stock market is, maybe I just got to give a little bit and we'll, we'll turn my 401k back to a 301. It was become a 301k. We're going to get it back to a 401. And um, if you guys have checked yours recently, you'd be laughing harder. Um, and so, or maybe you haven't, that's why you're not laughing, because you're secretly weeping. So, but anyway, so here's the second one. The second one is this, is that giving is not how you get God to love you. God already loves you. God loved you before you were a Christian and you were trying to do God's will. He always has and he always will love you. And so giving is not about uh, getting to heaven any faster. Giving is not God's version of Genie Plus where you're getting to the front of the line. It's nothing like that. So spending eternity with God is not about giving. It's about Jesus who loves you and died for you. And so nobody goes to heaven because of giving. They go to heaven because of Jesus. And so, but let me just say this, um, because I know people are thinking as we get going, like, oh, this is where I've been, I've been coming here. And this is where Pastor Bob does the shakedown. I knew the shakedown was coming. There's no shakedown. If you've been coming here for any length of time, have you ever realized, like, we don't even pass a plate? We don't even own a plate to pass. That's, you know, the plate is still at Target. We never bought it. And, uh, and so, you know, and, and by the way, I haven't taught on giving in three years, which, by the way, is probably about three years too long. But uh, I haven't taught on giving in three years. And so, but some of us, need to be reminded of uh, God's financial principles. Some of us need to be taught God's financial principles for giving and what he has to say about that. Now, let me just tell you as we get going once again, is kind of the reactions. There's going to be three different reactions here uh, to this message. The first is going to be uh, people who are already givers are very excited that I'm teaching on this. Be, and after, after the message, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to be out in the lobby, and they're going to shake my hand. They're going to be like, you know, you need to talk. You need to talk about this months ago. This is what I've been telling you. You've got to teach on this more. Whatever you have planned on it next week, cancel it. Let's do the same message again. And uh, for everybody who missed, I mean, because they get excited. And once again, I get it. Uh, because people who are already givers have experienced the blessing of giving, and they want other people to experience it as well. And then there's people, so those are the givers. Then there's people who are here that aren't Christians. And they're not upset about it. And they're like, you know, you took a balanced approach, and I get it. Uh, it takes money to do ministry. It takes money to keep the lights on and do everything you do. So I get it. They kind of have like an analytical way that they look at it, even though they aren't Christians. Like, yeah, I get it. So, and then the third group are people, because the only people that really are going to dislike this message um, are Christians who don't give. And so they get very frustrated that they're there's a light being shown on their disobedience in this area. And so anyway, so wherever you fall into one of those categories, you just 
decide for yourself, all right? But that, I'm not involved in that. You just, you decide. So, but then here's the third thing, and this is really what we're going to spend some time talking about, is that giving is about inviting God into your financial world. When you and I obey God's financial principles, we invite God into our financial world. Now, let me explain it a different way. Um, let's say a girl starts dating a guy. Could be a guy dating or whatever, right? So, but, you know, he's not a Christian, and they, you know, they start having sex, and, and they're not married, but then they decide, hey, you know what, let's just live together before we get married. And then things start getting rocky in the relationship. Which, by the way, just FYI, even though this is not a message on, um, it's a message on giving, so uh, anything about premarital sex, that'll kind of lower the temperature. Um, so, yeah, talk about anything else. Um, but by the way, just an FYI, um, statistically, couples that live together before they get married are twice as likely to get divorced. So, and if you live with someone else before you get married, four times more likely to get divorced. So once again, but then what happens, right? If you say, man, I just don't know. What if that person says, why is God not blessing my relationship? Well, what the answer is, you haven't invited God into your relational world because you aren't following God's principles for relationships. And so that's what I'm saying when I say that when we invite God into our financial world, we start trusting him. We start trusting him in how we handle money. We start trusting him in how we give. And so as we get into this section on the Sermon on the Mount, and if you're not aware, um, this isn't just a message that I picked out of a hat. Uh, we've been working our way through the Gospel of Matthew. We've made it to chapter 6. And so Jesus has been building a case as to what real faith looks like. And he starts by talking about the thing that we like talking about the least, which is money. And so he's going to challenge us that our faith should be seen in every area of our life, and that includes Giving. So we're going to start in uh, chapter 6 and verse 1. He says, Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. And if you pause there and give me your attention, there's three things that we're going to look at when Jesus says, when you give. And the first is this, is that giving is part of my private devotion. It's part of my private devotion. Jesus says right there, um, therefore, when you do a charitable deed, another translation says, when you give. Not if you give or if you ever get around to giving. The idea is that giving is one of the disciplines that we do as Christians that disentangle us from building our own kingdom and cause us to put God's kingdom first. Now, the theme of this section that we're going to look at, not just in our message today, but in our message next week and the following week, is all found in verse 1, where he says, whatever it is that you're doing, don't do it to be seen by men, otherwise you have no reward. And so he's going to talk about this when it comes to uh, giving. He's going to talk about this when it comes to praying. He's going to talk about this when it comes to fasting. That sometimes what we'll want to do is we will want to show off our spiritual disciplines for the purpose of some other person being impressed by us. And the thing that Jesus is going to tell us is that what we need to do are do those things in secret so that our Father who sees in secret can openly reward us. Now, um, according to an ancient document that's called the Mishnah. Now, the Mishnah is... Uh, this very large uh, Jewish commentary, essentially. It's like the rabbi's commentary on the Old Testament. The, the Mishnah talks about in, how in the temple there was this area, this room, that was called the Chamber of Secrets. Now, you thought the Chamber of Secrets was discovered by Harry Potter, and it wasn't. 
And it was really, it was discovered by Harry Potter because of the book he had with Tom Riddle, but that's not really the point of what we're talking about today. Um, but there, this actually was in the temple. It's actually called the Chamber of the Secret, but once again, the Chamber of Secrets is pretty cool. But uh, the Chamber of the Secret is what it was called, and this is where when you went to the temple and you wanted to give a gift that would help someone, you would go into this room. You would go into this chamber, that, the Chamber of the Secret, and then there was this box that looked like a trumpet. So it had this kind of uh, open area where you would drop in your gift and then you would leave. Nobody would see you. And then when a person had a need, they would walk in and they would have their need met. But the problem is the people, the religiously, religious leaders that Jesus called hypocrites said, it's not practical to make these people go all the way up to the temple to get help. And it's not practical for us to do that. And that meant there's no photo op. And so what they did was they armed themselves with a silver trumpet. And wow, does that even work? I mean, well, let me ask you this. If you rem- does anybody remember this song? Yeah. You heard this. And you know what happened when you heard that song? Someone was like, ice cream man! And people would start running in all directions trying to find where it was coming from. So if you've ever experienced that, you know exactly what happened here when they sounded the trumpet. People would be like, Pharisees! And they'd start running towards wherever those guys were, and then they'd get, you know, those who were in need would get help, and they'd be like, wow, what a generous man. And, and once again, it wasn't real generosity. It wasn't real generosity because real generosity is when we give because we know that God is going to use our giving to bless someone else and further God's kingdom. We don't want it to be seen by anybody else, but we want God who sees in secret to reward us openly. This, what Jesus is saying, is all about attention. And the problem is, is that not only did it rob the person that was being helped, but it also robbed the person that was giving of the blessing of being used by God. And so the question The question then becomes, and so let's ask this and talk about this for a minute, and that is, why does God even care? Why does God even care about us being generous? And the reality is, and if you've experienced this in your life, it's because you know that generous people have way more joy in their lives than greedy people. The challenge is most of us don't think of ourselves as greedy, but listen, if we have organized our lives in such a way that we spend everything that we have on us, it's pretty difficult to call that generous living. In fact, that's why Jesus, the Apostle Paul quoting Jesus in the book of Acts, he says it this way. I need Harry Potter's wand. Uh, Here we go. Uh, He says, I've shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said it is more blessed to give than to receive. And listen, if you are a person who is a giver, then you know this to be the case. Um, The other day, my wife and I were driving down uh, Pines Boulevard, right by Whole Foods. You know where that is. And she says, do you remember, uh, you remember when you saved me over here when I got a flat tire? I said, oh yeah, I do remember that. She's like, oh, I'll never forget that. So, and what happened was a couple of years ago, my wife calls me because she is on Pines Boulevard on her way to Whole Foods and she gets a flat tire, which I thought was a sign from God. Uh, like, maybe God doesn't want you there. Um, so, you know, <laughs> it's like, it's like $80 for a banana. Maybe we shouldn't go there. So anyway, so I tell her, um, look, I'm going to hop in my car. I'll meet you there. So I hop in the car and I call and I say, hey, look, we got a flat. Can someone come and patch the tire? So, uh, so I call while I'm on my way. I get there and I realize, and this is when they were doing a bunch of construction on Pines Boulevard. And so the tire, the thing that she had uh, run over 
was, I mean, it had totally destroyed the tire. And so I tell my wife, and I'm like, look, I'll take, uh, I'll stay here. Why don't you take my car and, um, you know, we'll take out a second mortgage so you can go shopping at Whole Foods. And then, um, and I'll, I'll wait for the guy, even though that's not going to work. I'll take the, the, I'll change the tire and then I'll go to the tire place and, uh, and get a new one. And so, and, and she was, she, I was, I was the hero of the day at my house. And, um, and, 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 it, and it brought me so much joy. And you know what's weird? Is that I have never experienced any joy changing a tire. Isn't that weird? When we were building this building, and by the way, you know next week is going to be uh, seven years that we've been in this building. It's amazing to me. Yeah. So, seven years. And so, and I remember when we were building this building that every month, I got a flat tire because there was nails and screws and all kinds of debris that I was running over. And, uh, and I had to go take my, I mean, I, be, I was on a first name basis with the tire guy that was, um, you know, plug. I never got any joy fixing my own tires. I got tremendous joy uh, fixing my wife's tire. And, and you know that to be the case. Why? Because it's just more blessed to give than it is to receive, right? You've never gotten any joy paying your FPL bill. Right, you get that email that they send, hey, we just debited you. You're like, ooh, right? You never had any of that. But if you've ever helped somebody with their FPL bill, you got tremendous joy out of that. Why? Because it's what Jesus is saying, is that there's just tremendous joy that comes uh, in, in giving. Listen, the most famous verse in the Bible, John 3, 16, tells us that for God so loved the world that he gave. We are never more like God than when we're giving and being generous. And so Jesus says, listen, don't, what you do, don't do it to be seen by people, because if you do, you're, you're going to have your reward already. But look at what he says in verse 3. He says, but when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Pause there and give me your attention. The second thing is, is that not only is giving part of my private devotion, but it's also part of my public declaration. When a person becomes a giver, they are making a declaration of their faith and trust in the Lord over everything else. Because our natural tendency is to trust in money. And whenever we give, we prove that our trust is in God over everything else. Now, a while back, uh, and this is a couple years ago, uh, I remember we went to the movies, my wife and I and my three kids, and we all got snacks. And now, when I say we all got snacks, let me explain what I mean. That means that we went to Walgreens next door, and we bought candy and then smuggled it in. Because I don't know who prices this stuff, but these people do not live on this planet. All right? And so, anyway, so we smuggled it in. But I, I did buy a popcorn and a soda just to keep it real with the theater. And that popcorn and soda was $95. And uh, so, but anyway, so... The way we, so we all sit down, and my daughter Olivia is my youngest daughter. Olivia, she's sitting next to me, and she gets M and M's, and I got uh, Twizzlers. And so we start watching the movie. Now, let me just explain something about me. I don't know how you are, but I have no ability to regulate my candy. I always eat all my candy during the trailers, and then I'm out for the entire movie. And so, and I've been really trying. I mean, I feel like God's been working in my life recently, and so. I've been, I've been doing this thing where I don't even open the candy package of whatever I have until the movie starts, and it is killing me the whole time, but I just been because of what happened. So anyway, so I, I'm, I'm eating, I, I eat all my Twizzlers during the trailer, now the movie started, I got nothing. And so, but my daughter Livy, she has a whole thing of M&Ms, and so, and so I lean over and I'm like, hey, give me a few M&Ms, and she says, No. 
what? And I'm like, no, you didn't hear me. I don't want all of them. I just want a few. And she's like, no, no, I heard you the first time. No. And, and I'm thinking like, at least give me like a courtesy. Like when you don't want to share M&Ms, you just give like three or four as a courtesy. That's like, I'm saying yes, but I'm cutting you off from here. And so, um, and she's like, oh, no, no, thanks. I'm not doing that. And, and, and so then, and this is when I start getting like, like never do I parent more than when my kids don't give me candy. And, and I'm like, hey, I bought these M&Ms. And she says, and thank you. And, uh, and I'm like, yo, we, and so, and I'm like, are you serious? She's not going to give me any, she's not going to give any M&Ms. And I'm, and so I say to her and I'm like, do you know that I have the resources to be able to go out into this lobby and buy like a hundred packs of M&Ms? I could rain M&Ms down on this place like a Egyptian plague. And, uh, and she's like, do it. And, uh, and I'm like, oh, I, I, I will. And I'm like, I, I won't, but I, w- I would. Anyway, so she says that. And so then, and I'm like, all right, fine. So then I, uh, I have a hoodie on. And so I open up my, in my hoodie. I pull out a, um, a box of Reese's Pieces that I had also bought. And then, and, uh, and Livy is like, whoa, where, where'd those come from? And I'm like, oh, I had these in my, my pocket. And she's like, but you said we could only get one snack. I'm like, yeah, but... I'm dad. And uh, I'm like, Congress, I don't abide by the rules that I pass. Uh, so, so, oh, you guys like that? Oh, I have a whole bunch of congressional jokes that I've been rearing to talk about. So, I am very frustrated. So, anyway, and so, and then, so, I'm going to move on. Uh, or I'm going to get, I'm going to get into, I'm going to get in trouble. And, uh, and so, <laughs> so I pull it and she's like, oh, and then she's like, well, can I have some? And I'm like, what are you talking about, Willis? You can't have some of my Reese's Bees. And, and once again, and let me tell you something. For some of us, when it comes to giving, it's because we haven't been taught. And for some of us, we have, there, there is a fear and lack of trust that we haven't gotten over. Because like my daughter learned that day, is that your father has resources that you know nothing of. And listen, and this is the thing that happens is that at some point when we decide that, yeah, I'm going to give, what God does in return is so much greater than anything that we could have done. So when we're going to talk about giving, what do we mean? There's actually three types of giving that we see in the Bible that a believer can engage in. So let's, let me cover those so that you're, you're aware of what they are. And so when we talk about giving, we're not just kind of using a junk drawer term. So uh, the first is this. The first is tithing. Tithing, as I mentioned earlier, is when we return to God the first 10% of our income. In Old Testament times, the tithe went to the temple, the place where you grew spiritually. In our case, that's the church. If Calvary is your home church, then it's here. If you attend somewhere else, then it goes there. But that's where the tithe goes, nowhere else except your local uh, church where it is that you're growing. The second type of giving is offerings. Now, offerings is where we have the freedom to give wherever it is that we feel like God is leading us. So maybe that's a missionary you want to support, a ministry that you like the work that they're doing, or a a charitable cause that you believe in. But that's always over and above the tithe. My wife and I, uh, beyond... We, we tithe here, this is our home, and then we support missionary work, and we are involved in a couple other uh, organizations that... Um, 
are helping kids and feeding kids and all that, and we're very passionate about that. Um, but we do all of that after we do our giving here. And then the third is what's called alms giving. Alms is when you help the poor or someone in need. So let's just say you have a family member in need and you want to help them out financially. That's alms giving. And I've had people say to me, oh, I tithe by helping out my mom or helping my brother. Like, well, that's good and that's important, but that's not tithing. Even if your brother's name is Jesus, it's not tithing. <laughs> and so uh, <laughs> I really like that joke. Uh, <laughs> but once again, the tithe is mandatory. The other two are optional. And my hope for you is this, is that you would be so faithful in the first that God would bless you so that you could be generous in the other two. And so when Jesus says, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, notice he's like, don't let your left hand know what your right hand might do or could do in the future. No, the understanding was, is that, you know, in Jesus's culture, they were involved in all these types of giving. And um, the only way they could do it is by making it a priority. And listen, and you might say, well, that culture was so different. Yeah, it was very different. These people were overworked and overtaxed. I know none of us know anything about that. And, uh, and you know, scholars estimate that in the Roman world, people were being taxed up to 90% uh, of, of their income, that so, some, some folks. So once again, this isn't, an, this isn't an issue of culture. What it is is an issue of priority. And sometimes we've just spent it on other things. So let me, let, let's kind of talk about some of the realities that are happening here at Calvary. So at Calvary, there's, a, there's about uh, 2,500 people that attend this church at, at some time or another on a regular or semi-regular basis. And so in this calendar year, of those 2,500 people, 1,995 of those people have given zero uh, to the work of God uh, at Calvary, to their, to their, their home church. Um, which, by the way, that means that they are more, have more of a commitment to Netflix uh, then they do the kingdom of God, which we'll talk about that. Um, there's about uh, 450 people that give uh, somewhere between $1 and $1,900. Now, here's the thing you got to know. The median income in this area uh, per household is a little over $110,000 a year. Right? So nobody's starving. All right? Um, the poverty level is about $25,000. So once again, it shows that most of us aren't tithing. We're tipping God at best, uh, even though if we would say, you know, what is God? Oh, man, I owe God everything. Um, the number of people that are actually giving something that looks like a tithe in this church, 72. That's not 72%. That's 72 families. And that's just not going to do it. Uh, when, when everything, sh you know, when the world shut down in 2020, Immediately at Calvary, the giving dropped by 35%. And so we just, we cut back everything that we could. We uh, dipped into our savings. We had uh, a couple staff people leave. We didn't replace the positions. And so when we reopened later in 2020, uh, we thought, sure enough, when we reopen, everything will bounce back. And um, things didn't bounce back. We dipped into our savings some more. And, uh, you know, and initially I thought, man, maybe some people got laid off. Some people are struggling. But that hasn't been the case. It's really been an issue of wrong priorities. And so, um, and then once again, and the point is this, sometimes we wonder why God isn't blessing our financial world, and it's because we aren't listening to him. We've taken what's supposed to go to God's kingdom, and we decided to spend it at the magic kingdom, and then we wonder why things, things aren't working out. It's just not wise. Now, let me just, once again, just, and uh, I, I'm usually not this direct, but um, we all enjoy the ministries of this church, 
and that some of you have, or at some point some of you will, meet with one of our pastors for counseling. And you know what you're not going to get at the end of that session? A bill. Why? Because counseling people and helping people take their next step with God is part of the ministry of what we do here. When you bring your kids into our children's ministry every Sunday, you know, you, you, there's, um, there, once again, even though it's 100 times better than whatever we, you leave your kids to Monday through Friday, there's no charge because teaching kids the word of God is what we do. Right? And so when, when so many of our kids are involved in youth ministry, um, there's no ticket for admission. Why? Because ministering to kids, teaching them the word of God is what we do. And listen, the facility that we have is free. Uh, the staff that's here to minister to us isn't, isn't free. And no other church, no rich uncle, there's no grant from the King of England that's funding Calvary. Uh, it is God providing for the church through God's people who are faithful. And listen, this building fills up. It filled up this morning, and, and, and it filled up uh, now at the, in this service. And, and once again, I get questions all the time. Tell me about the new building and what's going on with the new building. Well, let me give you a brief update. Is that after two and a half years of fighting with the city, they finally approved everything. And right now, if we said we're ready to go, uh, next week we could have a building permit and start construction. And I had to put the brakes on everything uh, for the next building, even though the city's approved everything, we have a contractor lined up, but the finances aren't there for us to take uh, our next step forward. And once again, we can't move into our next phase in the future if we haven't been faithful in the present. In the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 26, when the people are just about to enter into the promised land, Moses has this very conversation with them about the tithe, about being faithful with their giving, about moving into the promises. And so it's an appropriate conversation for us. And, and if I can be honest and kind of push a little bit, some of us should be past this by now. And some of us, listen, this is just so basic. Um, and it's just sad to me that some of us have forgotten the blessing of giving and the blessed life that it brings. And, and, and listen, um, and this is part of the challenge that some of us have, have, have experienced, that life has gotten difficult. And some of it we don't realize is because we have asked God not to be part of our financial world. And he's like, okay. Now, let me read you this passage from the book of Haggai. And listen, it's a tough passage. So if you brought a helmet, now's the time to put it on. And uh, so here's what he says. Is it right for you to be living in fancy houses while the temple is still in ruins? This is what the Lord all-powerful says. Think about what you've done. You have planted much, but you harvest little. You eat, but you don't become full. You drink, but you're still thirsty. You put on clothes, but you're not warm enough. You earn money, and then you lose it all as if you had put it into a purse full of holes. And this is what happens when we don't tithe, we don't give, is that, you know, life gets difficult. And by the way, life doesn't get difficult because God is spiteful and he's trying to get us back. No. It's like disciplining. It's like, you know, if you have kids and you have to discipline them, you don't do it because you're mad, because you're spiteful. No, you do it because you love them. And the goal is not, I'm going to get you back. No, no, no. Your goal is to try to bring them back. Because here's the thing, and Jesus will talk about this later in the Sermon on the Mount, that where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And this issue of, of tithing is the reason why so many people don't experience the blessed life, where you invite God into your financial world, and when you do, he does more than you ever could on your own. Well, then uh, one last thing, and I know you're like, hey, you feel free to cut it here if you want. Um, just 
do this, end this early. All right, last thing. He says, when you uh, do a charitable deed, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your charitable deed may be in secret, and your father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. Last thing is that giving is part of pleasing God. This is a beautiful promise. It really is that when we give in secret, God openly rewards us. And there is this blessing that's attached to giving the right way. And listen, um, and I get it, and, and I, I, I know I'm, I'm not going to get a lot of mail about this one. Um, like, wow, that was so awesome. We should just, you know, but it's okay. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll live with the disappointment. Um, but sometimes the things that we need to hear, uh, we don't like hearing at first. But sometimes we need to hear it. Um, a friend of mine taught a message on giving a while ago, and there was this woman in the church. She was so upset after the service, and he was at the back door uh, of his church, and, and uh, she came up to him and said, Pastor, after a message like that, if you were my husband, I would put poison in your coffee. And he said, Ma'am, if I were your husband, I'd drink it. And uh, that man became a legend that day. So... But here's, listen, Proverbs chapter 11, I love this verse. Here's what he says. He says, the world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed, and those who help others are helped. So here's the question. How do we get started on the journey of generosity or take a next step in the journey of generous living? Three things, and this is how we're going to close. Number one is become a priority giver. A priority giver. That means we give to God before anyone else. Because you can only do five things with money, right? You can spend it, pay taxes on it, repay debt, save it, or give it. And we usually do it in that order. We spend on what we want. We give Uncle Sam his cut. We give Visa the minimum. Save what we can and say, God, I wish I had more. And um, priority giving says, God, you are first in my life and I'm I'm giving first because I trust you. And listen, some of us, some of us are, I mean, we're, we're, we're more committed to streaming services than we are to the kingdom of God. And we've got to do a little better than that. And we've got to just start, t- we've got to have a greater commitment to the kingdom of God than someone who's an unbeliever. An unbeliever's given nothing to the kingdom of God. We've got to do better than that. And the first step is to become a priority giver. The second thing is to become a percentage giver. This is become a believer who tithes. And listen, I wish, I truly do, I wish I could do this for you so you could see the miraculous things that God could do in your life. Once again, this is not a, hey, if you do this, God's going to make you rich. I, I don't believe that. But I do know this, and I've seen this in my life, that God has the ability to make tires last longer, vacations cost cheaper, homes sell quicker, and jobs pay more. And I'm telling you, I've seen that over and over and over and over again. And that begins when we put God first and give that first 10% that belongs to him. And, uh, and I know for some of us, that sounds impossible. And you're like, Pastor, I would love to do that, but I am so far underwater. And can I just tell you this, that you can't live like that forever. At some point, you've got to make a decision to say, I just can't be, I can't be living paycheck to paycheck anymore. I can't live underwater for the rest of my life. At some point, you've got to grab hold of your financial world and say, it stops now. We've got to reorder this. This is one of the reasons why we do Financial Peace University here at Calvary um, is, is because it's going to help you in that. It's going to teach you what you need to do uh, to reorder your financial world. And I know sometimes because it's offered at church, people think, oh, it's going to be, you know, eight weeks of talking about giving. Um, 
Now, let me just tell you, I'll give you a little secret. Giving is the very last session. Skip it if you want, right? At first, not that you would, but listen, here's the point, is that if you say, I got to get on a budget and I got to get out of debt, I got to figure out how to order my world so that my kids can go to college without being $100,000 in debt and they start their lives underwater. I got to know, what if something happens to me? What kind of insurance should I have? All of those questions are going to get answered in financial peace. And just like we talked about in the open, I know nobody talked about this stuff to you because nobody talked to me about this. And when my wife and I got married, I wish this class was available and it wasn't. I read everything I could on the subject of what God has to say about money so that I didn't repeat the mistakes that I saw everyone else making. And so listen, on the back of your connection card, you'll see that you can sign up for that. If you just want info about it, uh, we'll send you, uh, you'll see it on the back, that says sign me up for. Uh, so we'll send you some info about uh, financial peace if you, want, if you want to be there. And um, once again, we don't teach it. It's taught by Dave, Dave Ramsey and his folks. And um, it's going to tell you everything you need to know about finances from A to Z. And by the way, it's something that you and your spouse should do together because you've got to be on the same page on this because it's going to take some radical action if you decide that you don't want to live underwater anymore. And then last thing, number three, is become a progressive giver. And that means you just try to give a little bit more than we did last year. And that was, a, someone challenged me on that, my wife and I years ago, where they were like, you know, my, my friend of mine said to me, he goes, you know, percentage-wise, you're giving the same you've always done. So maybe it's time to kind of step that up a little bit. And that's what my wife had tried to do every year. And, uh, and sometimes it's, it's a little, and sometimes it's a little bit more. But we've just, as our faith grows, we want our giving to grow as well. Listen, and here's my point, is that more than anything, be a person who is marked by generosity. Because one of the hallmarks of being a Christian is being known by your love, and by our generosity. And listen, and let me just say this, if I, as your pastor, I know that some of you are suffering right now. You're suffering in your life. Your marriage is suffering because of financial pressure. Let me just tell you something. It's time to be free. It's time to be free. It's time to invite God into your financial world. And I'm not just talking about the 10%. I'm talking about the 100%. And let God reorder that part of your life and watch the freedom and the peace that comes from it. It's time to start trusting God in every area of your life and then watch how God honors the decision that you've made to trust him. Let's pray together. And Lord, we want to thank you for, thank you for loving us. Thank you for challenging us. God, even if it's something we don't want to hear, we know that we need to hear it. And God, there's some work to be done. And so we pray that you would just continue to do that work. We pray that we would be a people, that Calvary would be a church that is known for its generosity, known for its love, known for being a place where we care. And so God, I pray that you would work in us. I pray we invite you into our financial world for you to do the work that only you can do. And we pray it in Jesus' name and everybody said, amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. If today you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. It's one of the best decisions you've ever made. And we as a church want to help you with your next steps. You see, we have a free gift we'd like to give you. And in order for you to receive that gift, all you have to do is visit mycalvary.com forward slash begin. Don't forget to tune in next week for our next podcast. God bless you.